Welcome to 10 Minute Law, a bonus podcast where, in about 10 minutes, we break down the policies that entangle the people in our project, Temporary. These are about 30,000 people that the Australian government calls the legacy caseload. They're categorized by when and how they arrived, by boat, between 2012 and 2014. And a lot of exceptionally punitive measures apply to this group. Even when people in the legacy caseload are found to be refugees, they can't be reunited with their family. The government has taken permanent residency off the table for them, and any realistic prospect of citizenship. A lot of the safeguards that are fundamental to a fair assessment of their asylum claim don't apply to them. And here's a kicker. In 2014, they were, with very few exceptions, cut off from publicly funded legal assistance. Look, when the department cut funding to legal services, they referred to it as taking the salt off the table. So it was seen as this kind of added extra that people seeking asylum were getting over other people in Australia who wouldn't otherwise have access to a lawyer if they needed help, which we know is absolutely not true. If people needed assistance in Australia, there are community legal centres they can access, there are legal aid they can access. If you have to appear in a criminal court, there is a duty lawyer there if you cannot find a lawyer to represent yourself. So it was pitched as this having a lawyer is this optional extra that is not really an entitlement. And that's why they removed funded legal assistance. We're talking to Sarah Dale. She's the Centre Director at RACS, the Refugee Advice and Casework Service. Sarah, put us back in this time, because by 2014, you've got a lot of people who had already arrived in Australia. Had they applied for their refugee status by then? So for people that arrived in Australia by boat between 2012 and 2013, they were prevented from making an application for protection until the minister personally invited them to do so. Largely, those people didn't receive invitations until 2016. Four years they waited to even lodge an application. Some of those invitations started rolling in late 2015. We saw more invitations come out in 2016. And during that time, we were getting inundated with requests for assistance. And so people had a few months to make those applications once receiving that invitation letter. RACs and other centres around Australia would write to the department and say, we've been dealing with XYZ. They need more time to make an application. Please give us an extension. Because by now you're helping these thousands of people, but after the cuts, you're scrambling for funds just to keep the lights on. When in 2014, services like RACS had its federal funding removed, it was impossible for us to assist that number without funding. So thankfully at RACS, we were able to run a fundraising campaign and get some funding to get more lawyers to assist more people to make those forms. Right. Because you're pretty shoestring and you need more time to do the applications properly. We had negotiated with the department that given our waiting lists were in the thousands and it was impossible for us to assist a person make an application within the requested time. If they had presented at RACS, then we had the evidence that they were trying to engage in the process and therefore can we give them an extension. 
And that process was largely working and the department and ourselves were working very closely in making sure we had accurate lists of all the people that were trying to get their applications in. They just couldn't do it by themselves. And then? And then on a Sunday morning in May, I woke up to about a thousand missed calls from all around Australia letting me know to turn on the news and we saw them at the time Minister Dutton announcing that anyone who had not made their application must do so by 1 October 2017. We're talking within months? So we were given months to help the thousands of people that the department had otherwise told us would give us time to help them make applications, which was devastating for us because we had assured all these people it was okay to wait the department said it's okay to wait and then we had thousands of frantic people that knew they had to get applications in or their cases wouldn't be heard so i recall at the time this deadline was announced the government gave the impression that these people had had years to make their application but you're saying that wasn't the case Look, we were told at the time the rationale was that people had had sufficient time to make their applications and that people were just deliberately stalling the system. People were engaged. People were trying to put in their applications. People were petrified after having to wait. And, you know, some of those people had only received their invitations a month or so before that announcement of a deadline. And so it was incredibly arbitrary and completely unfair. And people all around Australia had to put in their applications, despite the fact they had been forced to wait for years and years and years before they were able to make the application. And then given this short time frame to make an application without any funded legal support. So what happened? Amazingly, the legal fraternity around Australia all got together and everyone just threw everything that they possibly had at making sure that people's applications got in and only 77 people around Australia missed that deadline. So of 30,000 plus people, only 77 missed the deadline. And that is an absolute testament to the Australian community and really no one else. But again, we were only able to do that by the generosity of the Australian community. And the success of those applications being in by 1 October was not a successful government policy, was not a successful initiative of the Department of Home Affairs. It was achieved because people live in absolute fear and the community wanted to make sure they were protected. Thanks, Sarah. 10 Minute Law is edited by Eleanor Buckley with audio support from Syra Arias. It's part of a Caldor Center long form and narrative podcast project about the legacy caseload called Temporary. I'm Lauren Martin, and you can find Temporary at caldorcenter.unsw.edu.au or go directly to the project at temporary dot caldorcenter dot net. Thanks for listening.